right, guys, it's a bite-sized edition of On The Whistle this week. Let's get right into it. With me, I'm happy to say, as our regular panel, we've got our man in Yaoundé, Cameroon, Francis Nkwain. Next to him, we have Courtney Fries, former PSL winner at Manning Rangers, and Kingfoot.com's Ahmed Youssef. Gentlemen, a topic that was getting a lot of traction on social media in the last few days has been the Moroccan squad and their selection of only six locally-based players. Ahmed, this is a story in your patch of the world. How do you read the current selection by the Moroccan coach? The uh, the coach has, has kind of you know, selected a group of 30 players, only six of which are actually from Morocco. And, um, you know, that's caused a bit of controversy. You've got two sides. You've got some players who are saying that, some people are saying it's excellent. You've got players who are at Chelsea. You've got, as you know, like Adam Mansour at Juventus, players at Lille. All these, you know, big, big European clubs have got these under-17 Moroccan players in their academies, so it's fantastic news for them. Um, but on the other side, you've got some people saying it's a bit detrimental to the national team um, because essentially it's it's discouraging the, the youth, um, the, you know, from working their way through Morocco. You know, one note to add is that all these foreign-based players um, have never played in Morocco, so it's not as if you know they they started their careers in Morocco, then they moved to European academies. These are you know largely French-born. Um, players with Moroccan origin of you know, through their one, one, at least one of their parents. Um, so you know th this is something that's kind of you know split people into two. So for me personally, I think that had a lot of these players come from Morocco and developed you know in the Moroccan youth system and, and gone up and played in these uh, European sides, you know Ajax and, and Nice, La Havre, all these big clubs, then I think that's excellent. That shows that the Moroccan academies are developing really good standard of players but the, the problem i have with that is they, they they didn't and a lot of these players um as i said uh, you know it may, may have never even been to, to morocco um you, you know we don't actually know, you know who who has been and who hasn't but um it, it just seems a bit unfair on, on a lot of these moroccan player the players in in actually in, in morocco um but i guess there's 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 you know there's there's always a pros and cons but um they are the favorites because of how many players they have abroad and and, and how much talent they do have abroad. So um, I guess the benefit is that the next you know, 10 years, this Moroccan national team will be very, very strong. If, if I may interject, I think um, I understand perfectly uh, the point you're making and the point most people who argue about the need to have a pathway for domestic talent. And I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Um, if you're Moroccan, you're Moroccan. It, this is a conversation that has been the case across the continent for many years. Um, I think the truth of the matter is there's the assumption that if at a certain age you're already in a relatively big-sized European club, um, there, the assumption exists that the talent should be there, the basics, um, and this is a way of filtering towards the very top. Sometimes when they come in, by the time you look at a lot of the teams from the under-17s, the under-20s, to the senior teams that actually play on the continental level. Countries like Cameroon, like Senegal, even uh, Tunisia to a great extent, have had a history of having great numbers of players who maybe have a parent who is from the nation or parents who live outside. And a lot of people have championed the fact that it's nice to see especially with this new generation, a greater desire to want to represent the nations of 
your fatherland or your motherland i don't know which is the appropriate terminology to use as opposed to maybe the nation of your birth as where you you're born and raised um, and this causes problems even in the decision to represent another country but i understand perfectly the argument that is being made about the need the necessity for a path for local talent to be able to emerge and i just think that's more down to the quality or the way we appreciate the quality of the leagues and the clubs that we have domestically that i think allowed the prejudice associated with the success of these european bigger clubs to allow coaches to maybe sometimes think if i can get a young player who's already at lille or if dortmund can think a young boy is already good enough for them to put them on their books then we want to take a closer look at them and i think the issue is if we build systems that exclusively look into that space uh, then that's where we have a problem but i don't think there's anything wrong in picking a citizen of a nation wherever they may be found we live in a global economy if a person's working in thailand and they happen to be good because that should be the only test if they're good enough they should make the squad and if they get there and and a person who's from a local team is not making the squad because simply they play for the wrong outfit then that's where you have a problem my, my perspective comes from the point of if you're going to employ somebody to 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 lead your team um you have to trust what they intend on doing firstly the current coach of the morocco team is not moroccan so I, that's almost agreeing with what francis has just said you know, we are in a global economy. People can go and work where they want. So the Moroccan national team at this point reflects Morocco because they've got stars playing out in the world and that's where they are. Um, I think that the, the organization needs to also in there somewhere ensure that the coach is also doing as much as he can in order to grow the, the game nationally and the organization. So this national team keeps getting pushed in terms of the quality coming through. It's not just coming from abroad, it's coming from the local game as well. This is a problem that is not a today's problem, firstly. And I don't think there's a solution for it at all. Because as the world becomes smaller through globalization, these things will exist. You can go and work wherever you want. I actually found it quite funny to find out that they spoke about so many foreigners in there when the coach is not even Morocco in, Moroccan himself. Yeah, I, I agree with all, all your points. I think for, for me, just kind of, um, you know, to say my the way that maybe I view it is obviously um, it, when I've seen, you know, maybe I've seen it in Egypt, for example, when we had Stefan Al-Sharawi, who, um, when he was, he, you know, he played at, uh, at Roma and, and he um, eventually, he was a kind of really young talent and everyone, all the countries and you know, everyone was looking at him and he had the choice between Italy and Egypt. And, um he chose Italy over Egypt, and I think that kind of caused a bit of, you know, controversy of having allowing these, you know, these youth who play abroad and trying to pull them back. So I think what actually Morocco are, you know, are doing is great because they're preventing France and from, you know, taking these these um, these good players and you know putting them in their national teams. But the question is here: what happens if these Moroccan under seventeen players play for the under seventeen and play for the you know under twenty team, under twenty three, and then they? You know, get snatched up by the actual French team. So that's that's where it's a bit concerning because then you've then got an underdeveloped Moroccan youth system because of that. Sorry, Ahmed, I I have to come in there and no disrespect to the point you're making, but hasn't that always happened? I can still remember two young guys 
when we played in the Cup of Nations, we played a team called Asik Mamoja in Ivory Coast. And there were these two young guys. Everyone was talking about them, the Torre brothers. They were these stars in Ivory Coast. And the next time I saw them, where were they playing? One was playing for Barcelona, one was at Arsenal. Huge stars. So picking uh, quality from the, from the youth systems is always going to happen. Always. Uh, there is no, I just don't think you can stop it. And it's not only happening in football. You can look across many other fields of sport. Uh, we look at rugby, uh, the beast in Toweri. We look at cricket, Kevin Peterson. That was one of uh, South Africa's greatest um, problems we had, where the guy walked out to go and play for another national team. So it's always happened. I, I just, I don't know. I think Francis mentioned this point earlier. Uh, it's not a new debate. If I may actually just uh, join in there, because we have this question of pathways to the very top. And I think a lot of the times, um, the greatest challenge has been when a senior player, and here I say a gentleman over the age of 21, uh, sometimes has maybe already played for France or played for England or played for Italy, all the way through the youth section. And then at that point in time, turns up to play for Togo, turns up to play for Morocco. The Moroccan players who are in that squad usually feel at that point in time, there's usually an argument like, well, you're here now because you're not good enough to make the grade for the big boys of that home nation where you're living or where you're born and raised. And that's always an argument that's thrown at these players. And they're not allowed, they're afforded the opportunity to express themselves on their choice. And if you have a nation like Morocco, for example, now attempting to say, okay, from early doors, let's begin to accommodate them then maybe they will understand the things that also need to be in place from early doors to allow them to accommodate top talent really early. And the only winners will be Morocco because then the Moroccan teams will be also able to say, here's the standard that they're looking for. Even the experiences that the young guy who's 16 years, years old is already having at his club, he can come and share that quality of knowledge with the home team when they come in. And you could understand that training sessions would be just that little bit better because they're better informed by the experiences of what these young guys are already um, exposed to at their age. Very often with us, we think it's a learning curve that just immediately goes steep when you've turned professional or you're at the big boys league. But when you watch what just happened, took place the other day in Mauritania with the under-20s tournament, the quality of the football was unbelievable. For Cameroon, for example, we even had like Samuel, we had three former players' kids playing on the team. Samuel Eto'o's son uh, scored an, an unbelievable free kick. Um, he had a hat-trick in his first game for the country. And it's, it's, it's a joy to see because we all know he has the option of passports. Um, the kid has, for all intents and purposes, never lived in Cameroon. But there wasn't anybody having a conversation about that. It's kind of like, it's proud to see that the son of one of our greats has already been integrated this early on. Whilst he has the option to probably turn up for Italy or France, or I don't, I don't know what passports he, he carries, but we all know he's a mixed race kid, and so he definitely has some options. But the pride he was already exuding this early on allows people to imagine that of these 23 young men who were gathered, if five of them over the next three years make their way into our national team, they would have a system of play that they've been accustomed to 
from maybe the time they were under 17 or under 15. And that's what we need in our games. By the time the German team was winning the World Cup, the young guys or these men had been playing together already for nearly six, seven years. They'd done the under-15s tournaments together. They'd done the under-17s together. They knew each other. They were friends. And that's what makes these teams successful at the end. And if Morocco is trying to say, let's study, and they are one country that I definitely believe are creating an impressive blueprint. And I think we need to focus on the positives more than we do on the negatives. There will be hiccups, but I think it's good. That feels like a good place to leave it. Thank you for all your perspectives, Ahmed, Courtney, and Francis. Now, last week, we had a really uh, deep dive on the upcoming CAF elections. Uh, Patrice Motepe, the South African billionaire, the favorite to uh, take over the position from Ahmed Ahmed. Um, if you haven't listened to that podcast, go take a listen. The elections take place on March the 12th. Learn a little bit about who Patrice Motepe is, what he's done at uh, PSL Giant Sundowns and um, what his move into football administration could mean for the continent. Francis, I know that we are going to do a deeper dive on this once the elections have taken place, but from your vantage point sitting on the continent, what have you made of Motsepe and the upcoming elections? Well, everybody is really more excited about today. It seems like election day will be coronation day. Um, there's been a great demonstration of... Uh, a willingness to want to change the way things have been done. The re the other candidates have all dropped out, or and they've created um a, the Dakar Pact. The gentleman out of um Senegal, Mr. Senghor, is will be. I, I don't know what the word would be for, but he would become a vice president. Uh, gentleman out of Mauritania. Uh, will also become another vice president and they've carved out different roles for all the candidates so everybody who put their hands up to run uh pretty much is winning uh in one way or another but mr motsepe will become the president of of caf and by that also become the vice president of fifa um and that's the really interesting play to see the boss of fifa being the orchestrator of all of this and some people aren't taking it too well because it's seen by some as intrusion, but uh, for others, I believe it's important to see, again, the positivity in it, where the people aren't stabbing each other and there's a general willingness to want to do things differently. The question now is if different is better. And uh, I think when we dig in deeper next week, uh, we'll then be able to talk about that. But today is, yesterday they were playing a football game together and took an amazing picture of with Infantino and it was Team Africa and it's interesting to see and these are things we haven't seen before usually around elections it's uh, if you're with that guy you're not with me and these camps build and all you hear about is the exchange of favors and money and that kind of stuff and this time around uh, nobody's talking about that part and it's more about the philosophy and the principles behind the choice and the process and whether an election should be left to the people and my argument is, well, it was never going to be the people who were going to vote, <laughs> you know. So uh, whatever bureaucratic system they have worked on, um, as long as there's a good result and there's harmony and there's an agenda that we can all look at and we can hold them to task the next time around, then we should be good. Francis, you're teeing up something that is going to be a really interesting discussion next week. You definitely want to tune into that. We will take a deeper dive on who the cafe president is going to be. It certainly looks like 
It'll be the coronation of Patrice Motsepe. And we'll talk a little bit about that and how the election came about. As always, please, guys, if you've come this far, leave a rating, leave a review. It helps people find the show. And hit us up on social media. On Twitter and Instagram, it's OTW underscore podcast. And come and talk to us in our Facebook group, which is On The Whistle Podcast. Again, guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this bite-sized edition. Look forward to seeing you next time on the podcast.